The Primid Year, session number 359. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. This episode is sponsored by Carl Illinois College of Medicine. Now, you heard Dr. King Lee on the podcast back in episode 256, talking all about Carl Illinois College of Medicine when they first came out. And more recently, you've heard Heather Wright on the podcast talking about their unique secondary process. Now, I talked to Prachi, a medical student there, about Carl Illinois College of Medicine. And we started off by talking about what initially drew her to Carl, Illinois. When it came to medical school, I think the reason I was interested in Carl is because everywhere I went, even before I was a pre-med student, I always heard about healthcare and how healthcare had problems and how people were suffering, but healthcare couldn't always help them. And when I came to hear about Carl, for the first time I, I heard that, you know, there are problems in healthcare and the problems were difficult, but I also felt a sense of responsibility on the part of the school and especially kind of a, a sense of responsibility that they gave to students in saying that there are problems and it's your duty to fix them. She also loved her classmates and had a lot to say about them. The students come with a really interesting mindset. They come from such different backgrounds, whether they worked in industry, whether they're straight out of school, but have had some cool research experience. And people have lots of really cool ideas. And I start in just conversation, especially because our class size is so small, I start realizing things that I've never thought of before, problems that I didn't even realize were problems, solutions that people have already started working on and kind of want help with. So I think that part has been really exciting. And obviously being in that environment where there's lots of sharing, a lot of students are scared of competition among their peers. But Prachi said, not a problem at Carl actually has been really wonderful. So our class size is 32, which I think is amazing because I've really gotten to know a lot of my classmates already, even though we've only been here for a few months. It's been nice because everyone is very collaborative in terms of understanding that everyone comes from different backgrounds. And I know that there are people in my class that know way more than I do about certain things. But the best part about it is that they are so willing to share that knowledge, you know, for working on a project in statistics, I had a friend who sat down with me and kind of helped me work through a bunch of R code that I had never really encountered before. And so that I think has been really amazing because I know that these peers are going to be able to support me in the next four years. Now, if that doesn't make you want to apply to Carl Illinois College of Medicine, then maybe this last clip will. Talking to Prachi, she reminded me why when I talked to Dr. King Lee way back a couple of years ago when they first opened for applications to their school, I said, holy moly, I want to go back and go to Carl Illinois College of Medicine. I want to do medical school all over again. I am a huge advocate of doing things differently and trying things differently. And that's what Carl Illinois is all about. I think Carl will help me with that by setting the foundational understanding that just because we see things the way they are right now 
doesn't mean they always have to be that way. It's a playing field that we can work with and we should work with to improve. And so that just kind of mindset of, you know, a physician innovator, it's a term that a lot of the students kind of like joke and talk about. And I think what it really boils down to, though, is the idea that like, we don't have to stick with the status quo. We can change the status quo. And, and sometimes there's kind of an inertia to do that. There's this idea that it's been happening for so long. We've been using this technology for so long. We've been, this, this system has been working for so long, but what if we can make it better? What if we can make it cheaper? What if we can help more people than we're already helping right now? If you want to find out more about Carl Illinois College of Medicine, you can do so at medicine.illinois.com. Edu. Again, that's medicine.illinois.edu. Now, welcome to the Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, as I just mentioned. I want to thank you for taking some time to join me today and just me talking about how admissions committees look at an application. Now, if you've already applied, but you haven't gotten any interviews yet, this may be a great episode for you. If you haven't applied then this is definitely a good episode for you so that you can make sure that you're not making some common mistakes when it comes to your application. Just trying to get inside the head of an admissions committee. This is ideally what you want to be thinking about when you are completing your application, when you're writing your personal statement, when you're writing your extracurriculars, right? I don't want you to write for the admissions committee, but I want you to understand potentially what they are looking at and how very common traps can keep you from an interview invite or keep you from an acceptance post interview. Now, a lot of these thoughts are coming from my new series on YouTube called Application Renovation. If you haven't checked that out, you can go to applicationrenovation.com and it will take you to my YouTube playlist that has six episodes of application renovation on it. And in those six episodes, we'll call that season one for now, in those six episodes of season one, I'm breaking down the application of a student who has graciously provided their application. We redacted some personal information, but I I have a conversation with the student and I look at their application and I try to put myself in the shoes of an admissions committee, trying to pick apart their application, trying to find out where they are missing something potentially. What went wrong? That is my ultimate goal when it comes to looking at these applications on application renovation. If you have applied to medical school and you have not gotten in, go to applicationrenovation.com slash apply to submit your request to be part of application renovation where you for free will get me on Skype and we'll break down your application. We'll help others learn from it. I'll help you learn from it so you can move forward with a stronger application. So let's start off with just the basics, right? We've covered timelines before, but it seems like time and time again, I need to reiterate the fact that when you apply to medical school, your timing matters, right? Medical schools operate on a rolling admissions basis. Not every medical school, this is the most frustrating part of the application process, right? Not every medical school is the same, but most medical schools operate on a rolling admissions basis, meaning the earlier you apply, the earlier that you get secondaries, the earlier you get reviewed for an interview, 
the earlier you have your interview, the earlier you can be reviewed post-interview for an acceptance. Now, not every medical school operates that way, but most do. And so I want you to apply as early as possible with as complete of an application as possible. I don't want you to rush things, right? I'm not, I'm not asking you to sacrifice quality to get your application in early. But if you know that the application opens up in May of the year before you want to start medical school, then you have no excuse than to prepare for it. Right? Think about saving. Let's, let's just talk about saving for the application, right? If you know the application is going to cost $1,000, right? we, we know it's going to cost more than that, but let's just use some easy numbers here. If you know the application is going to cost $1,000 and you have 10 months to prepare for the application, you need to save $100 a month. It's the same thing with the different parts of the application. You have a personal statement. You have your extracurriculars. You have your secondary essays. You have your letters of recommendations. All of these parts of the application you are going to need. You can plan for it. You can get them ready on time, right? And you need the MCAT, the small little thing called the MCAT. Don't want to forget about that. So you need to think about all these because timing matters. And that's the first thing, right? If we want to, if we want to talk about today, how admissions committees are looking at your application, that's the first thing they're looking at is how prepared were you for the application? Are you submitting your application on October 31st when it's the deadline or October 1st for TMDSAS? If you are, that tells the admissions committee immediately that you cannot prepare well that you're disorganized or that you have things come up in life that distracted you from the application and you still decided to turn in an application, maybe because you didn't take the time to review and look into things to, to see that it probably doesn't make sense to apply that late. So that's telling a lot to the admissions committee. The same thing with secondary applications. I talk about it all the time, secondaryapps.com where you can get all of the secondary essay prompts so you can pre-write them. If it's taking you three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks to turn around secondary essays, that's telling a lot to the admissions committee. Again, it's telling them that you're not prepared. It's telling them that you're disorganized. It's telling them that maybe you're too much of a perfectionist and you can't get anything done. It's telling them that you're too busy. It's telling them a lot of things. Or... At, at the very least, it's telling them that you're not really interested in their school and maybe you're working on other secondaries. And so why should they bother? Right? This is how admissions committees are looking at you as an applicant even before they've touched your application. Right? Remember, most students get secondary essays from schools without having that application looked out, without, without screening for MCAT or GPA. So right off the bat, even before anything is ever looked at, you have that issue. So after you apply, right, after you get your applications in, hopefully early, you get your secondaries in early, what are the admissions committees going to look at first? Now, here's where you have to understand that the admissions committees are pulling down the data from the application services. And they can manipulate the data, they can view the data, they can do whatever they want with the data. At this point, you are nothing but a bunch of data and numbers and essays, and they don't know who you are, and they, they don't know why you want to go to their school. 
And so because there are so few seats at each medical school, and because there are so few interview slots at every medical school, medical schools have to have a way to narrow down what applications they are going to look at and what applications they aren't. Now, some medical schools will tell you that they review every application. And that may be as cursory as I'm going to look at it and put my hands or put, put my hands on an application or put an application on the screen, look at an MCAT score, look at a GPA and go, yep, not going to work for our school. Now, that could be their definition of, quote, reviewed an application. But a lot of schools are going to use filters for this. And they can set up what I call the digital shredders. If your application MCAT score or GPA, if, if your MCAT score GPA do not meet certain cutoffs based on that specific school, your application will wind up on the cutting room floor. Now, some schools have processes in place to have someone go through what ends up on the cutting room floor, looking for that needle in a haystack, looking for that one student who has shown amazing uh, progress with their GPA, but maybe they just couldn't get their MCAT score high enough. And, and something about an application may catch an eye for someone who doesn't pass a, an initial screen. And that can happen. I wouldn't bet on it, but it can happen. Now, students don't like that they are relegated to this MCAT and GPA. But unfortunately, that's the name of the game when it comes to screening applications. Now, you have to understand that this is an initial screen. An initial screen isn't screening out students that have a 3.5 and a, a 5.05, right? Some schools may have, have filters that are higher than that, but the majority of schools are going to filter out the really kind of atrocious looking applications. And I, it, it hurts me to say that a little bit because I don't, I don't want to say that your application is atrocious based on stats, but it's, it's really looking for the students who just haven't proven themselves academically. And students who think, oh, it's okay. I have lots of clinical experience. I was president of my pre-med club and I'm just an amazing person. And my mommy thinks I'm great. My daddy thinks I'm great. My, my Grammy thinks I'm great. And so I'm going to be okay. I, I know my stats aren't great, but I'm more than my stats. And, and you have lots of these students applying every year, applying with a 2.5 GPA, applying with a 490 MCAT score, who just have, who have as close to a 0% chance of getting in as anybody. And, and they're still applying. And they're applying because they told themselves that no matter what, they're going to apply. And they know that their chances are low, but you know what, right? Miracles happen. And so why not me? And it's those applications that are getting screened out. Now, unfortunately, schools will still send those secondaries out to those students and their hopes get up and they start submitting secondary essays and paying more money for that. But that's just a whole nother ballgame. And so what schools are doing is they're filtering those applications and really trying to get down to the students who they feel are academically qualified to be a student, not who they feel are the most outstanding, right? Again, don't think of these filters as bad for you. 
Think of them as just a way to get rid of the students who just haven't proven themselves. And hopefully you're listening to this and you have proven yourself. You have listened to maybe episode 35, which is a long time ago, but still super relevant. I send, I send students to that episode every single week. Medical School HQ, not such 35. That was a great episode I did with Dr. Politis, Greg Politis at Wash U Medical School about how to overcome starting off poorly in your undergrad, how to start off poorly, uh, how to overcome a, a poor application to begin with, right? If you fail your first semester of college, how do you overcome that? And so that's what that episode is all about. That's how you prove your academic abilities. Once you have proven your academic abilities with what I like to say, right, a good enough MCAT score and a good enough GPA to make it through the filters, now you can potentially be on someone's desk, right, in their computer, however the schools are handing out these, these applications to reviewers, and you're getting reviewed by a human looking at your application. And where I like to go first is I like to look at the grades. Let me look at any specific trends. Let me look at your freshman, your sophomore, your junior, your senior years. What can I learn about your journey from that? Did you take a post back? Are you non-traditional? How old are your classes? I recently had a, a discussion with a student who hasn't heard anything back from her applications. And her classes are 10, 15, 20 years old with nothing new. I said, that's going to be a red flag for a lot of schools. The fact that you're not a student anymore. You haven't been a student for a long time. And are you going to like being a student again? So they're going to look at your classes, your trends, your, your kind of workload level, right? Were you taking one class a semester for 10 years and you finally got to this point? Or did you really challenge yourself and took a full course load the whole time? Did you take a master's? Again, going back to a post-bac, did you take a post-bac? Those are the questions that are going to be asked. So once you finally land on that desk and your MCAT score is good enough, your GPA is good enough, they look at your grades, they don't see anything super concerning with your, your grades or your trends, right? So one of the things potentially is a downward trend in your GPA. A lot of students are applying going, I had a 3.5, a 3.6, a 3.7, a 2.0. And they're like, but my overall GPA is still pretty good. I'm like, yeah, but that, that 2.0, like you're, you're stumbling into the finish line. So that's, that's something that could pop out. So the trends there, how much you're taking per semester, all that stuff they're going to look at. And then for me, one of the next places I will go immediately because I don't really need to know your story yet, right? I, I want to know your story, but I want to know the journey as well. And so your grades will tell me that, your trends will tell me that. I go to the activities section and I scroll through looking for two things, looking for clinical experience and looking for shadowing. Right, All the other stuff is great. Leadership and, and volunteering and research, all of that stuff is awesome and important and I'll get to that. But I want to know how much shadowing do you have and how much uh, clinical experience do you have? Because as you remember from a couple weeks ago, right, if uh, the few weeks ago from episode 356 was... All about why, why am I not getting an interview, right? The biggest mistake that students are making is not enough clinical experience. 
And I tell the story all the time, talking to three, nine, 520 MCAT scores, and students who are like, hey, Dr. Gray, I'm not getting any interviews. What's going on? And I say, send me your application. And they send me their application. I'm like, where's your research? Or not research, where's your clinical experience? Where's your shadowing? Oh, I don't have any. <laughs> then how do you know you want to be a doctor? How do you know? You don't. And as a, 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 a pseudo admissions committee member here reading an application, I'll immediately see that and go, you don't have any clinical experience or the clinical experience you say you have isn't really clinical experience. So I don't trust that you know what you're getting yourself into. And I'll move on. Right? I have thousands of applications. I'll move on to another application. I don't need to know your story at that point. Unfortunately, that's just, that's just what happens, right? There's, there's very, uh, very little early on in this journey looking at an application that it's, it's the smallest thing that can cause a reviewer to go, not worth my time. And because of that, it's the smallest things in your application that can cause a reviewer to go, you're not worth my time. And then you're sitting there at home going, I haven't heard anything, I haven't heard anything. And they've moved on because of these small little things, right? Whether it's the timing of your application or submission, the timing of your secondary submissions, the trends in your grades or anything weird with your grades or lack of clinical experience and shadowing. Once I am happy that you have enough clinical experience, you have recent clinical experience, you have consistent clinical experience, once I'm happy that you have recent and consistent and enough shadowing, then I'll move on. What are, what are the rest of your extracurriculars tell me about yourself? Did you put in any hobbies? I, I'm super interested to learn about students and their hobbies and who they are as a person. And not just research, 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 right? That's great. Research is great. Getting Dean's List is great. But what else is out there? So I'll look at that to, to get a general picture. And then I'll jump right into the personal statement, right? I want to know why you want to be a physician. And so I'll jump into a personal statement. And if it starts off, I've always known I wanted to be a doctor, I, I'll immediately stop reading it going, nope, not going to read it. Sorry. If you didn't take the time to learn how to write a good personal statement or to, to think about what a good personal statement may look like, I'll move on. And I'll tell you, not a good personal statement. Let's, let's start over. If, if I'm reading your personal statement and all I hear is, I was really good at science and so I dove into science and I was raised by my, my grandparents who were really into service and so I want to serve and give back. Right again, I'm moving on. I want to know why you want to be a physician. In my book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Personal Statement, I tell you how to write your story, how to come up with your story, how to figure out why you're on this journey and how to communicate that. That's what you want to do. So communicate. What exposed you to medicine communicates the, your most important activities you've done that are exposing you to patients and exposing you to, to being a physician and what that's like and why, not necessarily what, but why you're on this journey. You have to reflect. And so that personal statement is going to be very, very important. I'll then jump to a lot of schools may flip flop between secondaries 
first and then personal statement or they'll leave out personal statement altogether because a lot of students don't know how to write a good personal statement. So they're like, I'm just going to go to the secondaries because that's more specific to our school, even though a lot of schools still have very generic secondary essays. But a lot of schools will go right to secondaries. I still like looking at the personal statement because I want to know that you're doing this for the right reasons. Uh, so then I'll look at secondaries. And if the question is about why the school, I want to make sure you know enough about the school. You've done your research and not just super generic stuff. If it's about diversity and how you're going to add to the class, I want to know what you've thought about and how you've thought about it and what you're going to add. If there's a question about obstacles you've had to overcome, I want to see that you've lived life and you, you have had obstacles. That helps me understand that you're going to be resilient through medical school. And if your biggest failure to this point is not winning the state championship in your football team in high school, then that may be a potential issue. Right? I've, I've had these discussions with ADCOM members. They're like, uh, yeah, if that's what you're writing about, then you, you need some more experience. So uh, those are the kind of things they're looking at in the secondary essays. And then obviously it comes down to interviewing and uh, how well you interview and how well you can communicate and connect with the interviewer and really show them who you are to get to that acceptance. But that's the general kind of look at an application. And again, application renovation is where I do deep dives into applications. And if you want to apply to be part of application renovation, just go to applicationrenovation.com slash apply and, and let me know why uh, you think potentially why you didn't get in. Submit your information and we'll reach out. And as we're recording our next batch of, of episodes for application renovation. As I'm recording this as well, I'm still like slugging through, if that's a, if that's a word, um, my next book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Application, where I break down a lot of this stuff and how, what to do and how to do it and when to do it and much more. So hopefully this episode has helped you just give you a little bit more insight into the application itself and you'll get some ideas on how to be a better applicant, how to put your best foot forward, and how to get that interview. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.